welcome to episode 34 of the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters, and I am your host, Doug Winters. Today's guest is Larry Scott from Lawrence Scott Events. Larry and I have known each other for almost 30 years. We've worked together on at least 100 projects with my band playing and he being the event planner. Even though we haven't spoken in almost a decade, we were able to jump right into an extremely personal and surprisingly candid conversation very quickly. So without further ado, here is Larry. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know many people in the industry. I'm, I've heard of them. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. No, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not invited to any, but anything in the industry. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I'm never invited to anything in the industry. I don't right. know what's going on. I right. don't know if they don't like me. Um, it's almost like very strange because it's like I was a bully kid. And I don't think they bully me, and everybody loves to say they're friendly with me or whatever. You were bullied, kid? Yep. Because you're such a big guy. Such a... When you're growing up in junior high and high school, it yeah. wasn't about being tall. It was about like the young jock guy oh, okay. who was yeah. like shorter, and he was muscular, and I was a right. tall guy at six foot three, six foot four. Yeah. So in other words, like they try. I, I, I always say, and I compared myself to when I was watching the movie Grease and John Travolta when he was trying to get the attention yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. what's her name, Olivia, Olivia John. and John. So, like, they tried him out for everything. That's what they did with me. They put me in wrestling, so the little guy grabbed my right, knees. They put I was him on down, track down in two seconds. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, they would put me in basketball. Oh, big guy, put him in basketball. I couldn't even, like, add no That's coordination. Right. Yeah. So the only thing I could do was always do it by myself. So what was that? I ran cross country. So I was Forrest Gump. So in other words, so that's yeah, how yeah. I really looked at myself. So in other words... What happens is it's like, you know, I didn't want to go to college after that. And I said, oh, my God, the beating is going to continue. Being made fun of is going to continue. Oh, really and bullied? Yeah, I was bullied. Were you, Girls, did you grow up around here? I grew up in Hicksville, Long Island, and it was not really a... And we're in Hicksville, Long Island. So you I literally did back. not go far. I came back, like at Billy Joel and Mercedes Rule and, you know... Yeah. Some, some, but some Billy stuff. Joel's a decade older than you. He went to school with my sister. Oh, yeah? My older sister, Arlene, Yeah. yeah. But um, no, I always felt like, you know what happened? I think as I was like, was becoming more and more successful and, and only because, of, you know, I made some money and then I, you know, you get through that arrogant, you don't know, you don't really know what to do with money when you're making it. Then you fear success. So all of a sudden you're sabotaging success. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to be found out. I'm not that good. Do you know what I'm saying? Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I get the next idea? No, because I never really followed anybody. I just did what was in my gut and what I liked and what I saw and... All of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, how am I going to come up with that idea? And I remember being at this one job, and I said to my brother, I said, Vinny, look at all this stuff. And there was chintz, and there was uh, flowery stuff and stripes or whatever. And he looked, he goes like this. If there was anybody else, I'd say, my God, run for the hills, because yeah. like, what is that shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he said, knowing you, it's going to come together right. And you never know where you're getting it from. So I always get nervous. And you know, this is my 30th year in business. I get nervous. I'm saying to myself, oh, my God, what happens if I can't think of an idea? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, how do I, like... You know, you know, nobody ever, nobody invents the wheel. It's already there. It's like we reinvent, or I say to people all the time, you know, we just learn how to drive it differently. You know what I mean? So, I, what I was excited about coming to see you is that you were really, uh, hopefully, you'll find this vindicating or validating, is that you were the first person that brought furniture. To the parties. To a party. I think we did it's a party like, at the Pierre. It was like 30 years ago, and it's very funny because, and I just want to say this, yeah. you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, and I try to keep it to myself, but after a while, it's like, you know, you get so 
It's almost like you want to defend what you've made. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It sounds well, I'm, ego- here to, I'm here to testify. No, but it's almost like <laughs> egotistical, and it's not really. But I say, you know what? I remember a few party planners, and, you know, Ellen Cohen from Windsor was one of them out on Long Island. And, you know, she said, you know, you single-handedly, you know, we were at Glenham's Country Club, and she said, you single-handedly changed the industry. And then Robert Fox and Alan Party Rental, you know, this big party, when everybody was using, you know, Stanford Tents, you know, I always took yeah, the yeah. underdog. I made a lot of underdogs into... People and then I look at party plans today, who they're all using my people, but I can't say that because it sounds like, <laughs> yeah. oh, what do you think you, you invented the wheel? Like you know, going back on what I just said, and and my parents, I want to say, were in the bullying area because my father was a Jew, right. my mother was Italian. Actually, my mother was sort of bullied by my father's side a little bit, and my father was bullied by his own family because he was marrying outside of Judaism. Oh, wow. So in other words, so it all came full circle for me. Yeah. Some of my siblings want to push everything under the carpet, which is what my parents did to protect us. But to me, it's like I got to own it. I want to own it. I want to confront it. Right. And that's where my politics come in. I don't want to be bullied in politics. I don't want to be bullied in anything. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Yep. And nobody knows my journey. Nobody knows how I got from A to Z, and I don't know how they got from A to Z. And how we get from A to Z doesn't matter. You just have to get there. Did you ever read The Great Gatsby? No, but I made a party or two like that. <laughs> okay, you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you the copy of the book. It's literally the character of Jay Gatsby. He's like this poor kid. Comes out of World War I, reinvents himself, decides that he was a war hero, and he made some incredible money somehow. And, but he literally recreates himself as this Jay Gatsby with this gorgeous house on Long Island, and everybody comes to the parties, and he makes the parties, but he kind of stands away from the parties. Mm-hmm. And in a way, you have like like a... a, a but a, that's me today. Yeah. Like, in other words, like people go like this, oh, what are you too good to show up to my party? Why don't you come to my party? It's not my party. You know, it's called the Larry party, but it's really not me. It's the opposite. So if you, you know, it's almost like perception. Like people think it's like more like, it's my ego, but anybody that really knows me, right. and that many people do, and I like the mystique about me, yeah. is I hand the baton off to my client who paid me to tell their story. I'm a storyteller. It's not linens and flowers. It's not about a fruit cup. It's about the whole story of the party. And people, when they go to their parties, and most event planners for me, without putting it down, it's a business. But, you know, people would always say, I don't look at you as an event planner. You, you know, you're an artist. And... When I look at most people's parties, they're very generic. Like, in other words, like, did you hire this band? Did you hire that photographer? Did you hire that florist? And they're just hiring names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with me, I'm a GC on the job. So in other words, like, if I were building a house and I was the GC on building a house, right. you can't put the sheetrock walls up before you put the wiring in. So in other words, something has to die for something else to come forward. So w- along with changing the industry without sounding, again, egotistical. But you know what? I hated all the courses. I would travel to Europe like everybody was going, like most people were going here. You know, there was a lady years ago in the business who I thought was like the icon of the business, and her name was Marika Summerstein. I remember, like, when I graduated college, I went for an interview with her, and she loved me. Her husband did not want me. I guess I was a threat, but I was really no threat to her. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I guess. I don't know what the deal was there. And maybe it was a good good, guy. Didn't you end up in jail? I don't know, but I don't don't wish anybody bad and Uh, that kind of stuff. And my best revenge is always success, so I don't stay away from that. I don't know what happened to him. But I'm just saying, so me, I 
travel all over the world, whether I went to Ibiza or I went to, you know, Greece, when everybody was going, I guess, to San on Sank, you know, 55 or 45 in, in Europe and stuff like that in San right. Tropez. I didn't know from that. I only knew from, you know, traveling, and I wanted to always, even till today, like, you know, if I went to Africa or Thailand when I, you know, had the affordability to go, yeah. I think you have to live the country the place that you're going, and not everybody get onto a plane. We're going on vacation, then we go stay at the Four Seasons and Hotel. I was just going to say, stay at no, a No, because you're not learning anything. All you're yeah. learning is the you know the generic brand of Starbucks or the generic brand of, <laughs> right. of like that restaurant that's a chain. Like today now, a bigger chains are Avra. So there's one in New York, there's one in LA. It's yeah. the same format, but like, what are you showing me? You know right, what I'm saying? Exactly. Like in other words, you're not learning anything. So to me, I'd rather work with kids in Africa, and then you see how they struggle, but there's a smile on every one of their faces or I've been to Thailand, um, or going to Dubai and, Abu Dubai and Abu Dhabi, instead of making it a pass-through, like people make it a pass-through, where they stop for a few days, right. they don't see how they built this country. And because of the Middle East, unless you're going to Israel or Turkey, yeah. where you're able to go, I mean, the average person doesn't go to those countries because there's a lot of problems. So last year I spent um, like 10 days in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, and it was probably one of the most incredible trips. And not And you weren't staying at one of these millionaire I did. No, I'm not oh, gonna be okay. I don't wanna be hypocritical, but those are the places you stayed. Yeah. Right. What I'm saying was for that, it's a different experience. I was going more for architecture. And when I went to Abu Dhabi, which to me is more like Montreal, and if you go to Dubai, it's like oh, the really? Toronto. No kidding. If you go to Abu Dhabi, it's like going to Madrid. It's an old city where you right. go to Dubai. It's more Barcelona. Right. So I always like the older cities, and they built the Louvre in Abu Dhabi. So we spent a few days there, and I had, you know, I, thank God I have the affordability. I took a driver because I don't want to take a whole week to figure it out. I go <laughs> right, right, right there. It's just like the most incredible designs. I mean, you just go for the designs and the architecture. So in other words, in the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world, they had like the Armani Hotel. I never saw anything like it. Then you went to Versace, the only hotel they have in the world in Dubai. It was the sickest thing. I mean, it's called the Versace. Versace. And it's no, owned it's by Versace. the Versace company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So um, I guess Michael Kors's company now because yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying. But those are the interesting things. And then they had a back alley place with chocolate factories and whatnot. It was just very, very interesting. You know what it was? It wasn't commercialized yet. Right. You know, like before anybody was going to South Beach, and I'm talking literally. I'm talking about. 1989, 90, they were like wheelchairs, condolescent homes, like, you know, 35 dollars a night, and I was bringing back these parties, and I remember doing a big party at Silver Cup Studios, and I made this like, South Beach, but nobody understood what we were talking about, and for 10 years, still nobody. Then they started to travel to Europe, and I said, oh, this reminds me of Larry. So I, was, I guess... I was always like that cutting edge. I always wanted to, that's why I, I never follow anybody. I don't care what the industry is doing. Now that they, they sort of never let me into the industry, you know yeah. what I'm saying? The only time they wanted to come into my world was when like, I guess like, like oh, Larry's success, we want his business. Right. Again, these are all like, I didn't want, I, I guess I graduated college and you know, I had to get a job and there were no jobs available and I didn't graduate smart. I graduated stupid. I went to a two-year <laughs> school. No, really, because I didn't want to go to school because I thought the beatings were going, to were going to continue and my father said, you're going to college. So I guess I could have went to Nassau Community. I wound up going to Delhi, which is an upstate school. But the right. first day, the first, second day, all of a sudden people like were like very nice to me. 
And so, that wow, really, what's this? No, it was just really, really. So I really didn't focus. You know, I think as a kid, when you're bullied, you don't apply yourself to school because you're too worried about who's beating you up. Yeah. There's a lot of other mental stuff going yeah. on. So it wasn't that I wasn't smart. I couldn't allow myself to know what smart was because I was too worried about defending myself mentally. Wow. Not necessarily okay. physically yeah, all the yeah, time, yeah. but mentally. Then when you go to college and you know that you're supposed to, in, you know, sort of like a continuation of your education, well, what kind of education did I get growing up when it was all about defending myself mentally and physically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and dealing with, you know, all those emotions. So, you know what? I got through high school, obviously. You know, I mean, right. my father would pin the timetable right in front of me. And, you know, we came from a strict household. You know what I'm saying? Really? And, you know, there were no football games for me on the weekend. There were three jobs that you had to work. There was a paper route. There was a, working at the country club. Um, and the snack bar at the local, like... Um, what do you call a farmer's market? So, yeah, you know, yeah. that you were juggling positions. There were five kids, you know, with one and a half bathrooms. You know, you stood in line for the bathroom. Yeah, I was one of five um, kids. Yeah, so in other words, we didn't come from anything. And, right. you know, I had done an interview years ago, and, you know, they said at, you know, 57 years old, like, you know, what did you buy that you really, like, with all your success that you really wanted? And I literally teared up. And I bought myself a house with a built-in pool, which I never had before. And my friends who are, you know, Saul and I was cats on the New York Mets and whether it's a Judge Judy and all these people and, you know, just my average friend that I've had, you know, which I was average coming from Hicksville, Long Island, they all came over and said, we want to see your pool and we all cried together. You know, no so, oh, that's yeah, a beautiful so, story. But it's really the truth. So it's like, you know what? I lived in the West Village for 20-something years and my father had three luncheonettes in Manhattan. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, you know what, it's, yeah, like I used to, I used to say I couldn't be creative with a tuna for sandwich. I wanted to go on because he had the luncheonette business, and I knew I'd hurt my father when I had said that. And oh, when I wow. lost my money, like the few dollars that I had made, you yeah. know, when I lost Larry and the Redhead, I realized it wasn't a monetary gain, but it opened doors for me to just, you know, not everything's about money. And all of a sudden you learn, like, wow, like in other words, like, those five kids that went through college got through college on tuna for sandwiches. So never belittle. Yeah. There's always somebody richer and always somebody better looking. Sure. So that's why it's like, you know what? I find that, you know, when somebody goes like this, oh, I live in the West Village. Not, I live in the West Village, but when they say I came from the West, you didn't come from the West Village. Or when people <laughs> just say, oh, my God, I'm from Westchester. You're not from Westchester. You live in Westchester. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like, in other words, where did you come from? So I'm very proud to say I'm from Hicksville, Long Island. Do you know what I'm saying? And I was a bully kid, and I do it all over again because it made me who I am today. I think everything stems from the home. So thank God I had that Jewish dad and right. that Italian mother. Perfect and they had their struggles that made me see their struggles and the fighting, but I love them for everything that I got through. You know what I'm saying? Like, in other words, at the end of the day, whether they beat me or they hit me, you know what I'm saying, or they mm -hmm. yelled at me, yeah. and that was our generation. But you know what? But I love them for giving me those kind of like. Yeah, it was morals. a different generation. It was different now, generation. when you say that, the kid, you know, they take the kid away. Whole and... different world. I'm not getting into today's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm exactly. not getting into today's politics. You know what I'm saying? Right. Too much fighting. And you can't talk about politics. Yeah, you can. And I do. I do. Well, I talk about politics all the time, but I mean, not on the podcast because. My politics are way too obvious. Well, the podcast but, is also going out to, let's say, your business associates, yeah. your business group, and you want to know something, you don't go there. And you know what the truth is? If you're yeah. in Manhattan, what are the chances that you've done a party for someone named Trump 
or if you're living in New I Jersey did, that you've I done. But I did. A, so have I. I've done parties when Trump was married to Marla. Listen, I did a party for Hillary Clinton who didn't show up to her own party because there were more celebrities at the other party. So how gross <laughs> is that? So you know what? They're all, they're, sometimes politicians are just politicians and just leave it at that. Yeah, exactly. All right. I want to discuss this one party that we did together. There's this party at um, Silver Cup Studios. Silver Cup Studios on the and top mind, floor. Right. So this is and in Long my, Island City. And that was my South Beach party before anybody even understood South Beach. Exactly. And you did something that I never saw before. You literally took just a blank backdrop and you turned it into a home. You said, I want you to be playing hot music the second you walk in. And people started dancing. And you said, you know what? Play for a half hour and then I'll have the DJ take over. After the half hour, you just waved to me and you, went, you just you know, rolled your hand and you said, keep going. We played for two and a half hours. But I pushed you. Like, you know what? Yeah, it's if I, but had I loved told, that. But if I had told you, and you've got to understand something, it's like a comedian, and I'll tell you why it works. Okay. A great designer is like, and that's why I say this, when, when you walk into a room that maybe a designer does, it's like nothing should come throwing out in your face. It's a vibe you get. So that's what I always say. When you walk into one of my rooms, it's a vibe. Right. And then your eyes start to focus in on the details. It's the same thing with my parties. Something has to die for something else to come forward. If I were to tell you you're going to play for an hour and a half or two hours straight, in those days it was like, no, it was like half hour on, 15 minutes off, half hour on, 15 minutes off. I was like, fuck that. That's not <laughs> happening at my party. Yeah. I said, because I'm all about the story. But I wanted to please you so bad. I, I know, because you know what? Because when you walked in that room, it's like the comedian. That's what I was trying to say. Oh, if I see. you have a comedian who's on stage and the audience is not receptive to anything that you're doing, he's going to bomb yeah. because they feed off of it. And you were feeding off the crowd. And the energy level was crazy. The energy level, they were ready to go nuts. Nuts. But they had never heard a guy like Doug Winters, this band, which was like out of control. And you were feeding off of each other. That's why I said, you think I'm going to break this fucking orgasm up. You, this <laughs> was know. foreplay. That's you were I just mean. about to come, and I was like, no fucking way. You keep going, hold it, don't come, don't come, don't come. That's and then, boom, Don DJ. And what do we do? We drop the music, like going through an, a great gay club in Europe, right. and all of a sudden the music goes out, and then it starts slow, and we started out with I'm every woman, whatever you want, whatever you need, slow. Yeah, 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 and yeah, then yeah. people are like, what the fuck is going on? So they're breathing, but yet, yet they're feeling this like... Whitney Houston, like craziness building up, and then boom, I'm every woman. Then they got it back like I was in a club in Ibiza. But these are things I've experienced. So by experiencing it, I wanted everybody else to experience what I did. 99% of the people, they want safe. They want what Mrs. Wasserbergestein had. <laughs> I want Mrs. Wasserbergestein's party. And that's the generic party. You know, it's the typical. Martha Stewart, page 34, volume 6. Do you know what I'm saying? But yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah, about. Yeah, I know it. So right. to me today, and what I started years ago, was it's about hors d'oeuvres and desserts. Nobody gave a shit about the dinner. Then everybody tried to be different and feel like, oh, let's make living rooms for some people and tables for other people. Everybody needs a home. They mm -hmm. just do. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless it's a birthday party. But when you're making these bar mitzvahs or weddings, everybody needs a home. But they only have to sit one time. And I don't want to look at a piece of bread and a butter plate. I want cottage fries from, like, the palm. I want the most amazing breadsticks wrapped in bacon or Parmesan cheese, so nosh food on the table. I want to sit down and have, like, maybe a great chicken milanese and then two giant meatballs with regatta cheese as, like, one course, 20 minutes, boom, to stop and smell the roses. Right. Do you understand? So it's, like, all of that. I do. So if I don't want you to get off the stage, I want that energy because you don't break the energy up. Right. I don't even know when that was, 20 years ago? Actually, I'm in business 30 years this year. So it's got to be like around that time, like 1989. Yeah. I think we, we must have started like the exact same time. Yeah. And it's very funny. So whether it's the small-time florist or the small-time photographer or, you know, this one or that one, and it's very funny how, like, you know what, I brought them in because the big companies, it's just that we made the small-time guy famous. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, we made yeah. them. But what happens is, guy put that ego in check and... They all think like they invented the wheel. And I go back to that saying. It's like, you know, you didn't invent the wheel. I taught you how to drive it differently. Or you know what I mean? Or you take it up. Nobody gets there on their own. And you know what? We all need people. I may be a great director right. and may have great vision, but without the family of the people I surround myself with, it doesn't get anywhere. And then sometimes people think, you know what? It's about them. But you know what? I'm like the Rolling Stones. You try to break this up. There's no Rolling Stone. You know, there's only one talent that really holds the band together. Like, this, yeah. you know, the parents, they hold the family together. Right. So. Now, and I remember so much that you would, it seemed to me like you worked 24 hours a day. But then again, we were both very, you know we were very young. But I mean, the, I still work the same, like I'm sure you still do. I think but I mean, can, like you it, would come in like jeans and a black t-shirt. You had like a uniform. And then you would change into this very hip, where everyone else was wearing tuxedos, you wore something very European, very Armani, very, very... Um, Somebody uh, told me a long time ago, I'll tell you why. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, a thousand percent. I, I wore freaky clothes for a while because I was trying to make a statement, and that's your learning experience, like okay. your learning process. No, I thought it but was like slick as hell. Yeah, but it did. But then all of a sudden, I remember somebody coming up and I said, it's six foot four, you really need to bring more attention to yourself. So, I, you know, you'll learn uh-huh. along the way and then you become, today, I don't go to the parties, but if I have to stay at a party even, I'm in jeans and a t-shirt because I'm not there on the floor in a tuxedo running the floor. So I'm behind the, the scenes. I'm in behind the scenes more adding that wind beneath their wings, whatever it needs to <laughs> yeah. be kind yeah, of yeah. thing. So, no, I don't want to walk through it. And when people see me in jeans, boots, and a T-shirt, even right. at, like, a black tie wedding, they don't say, why is he dressed like that? They go like this. Oh, my God, that's look Larry. at it. Like, that's the rock star kind of thing. Yeah. You know what? But it's something you earn because they know that I'm producing something. It's not me trying to, like, not be dressed at their kid's party. It's just that they know that I'm on a mission, and my mission is get to A to Z. And I'll tell you something else about you, is that if we did a couple of dozen parties together... A couple of dozen parties together? I mean, we did a hundred parties together. Doug, I was going to say, is something wrong with you? Did you fall on your head or something? No, no I mean, I mean so... Okay, that. yes, we worked a long time together, Doug. Really long time together. Yeah, but and someti- was, But oh. sometimes I burn people out. <laughs> well, here's what you that's said why, to me. Wait, I just want to tell you. So yeah. that's why I say, you know what? There's no Mary, there's no John, there's no dog waiting for me at home. I go home, and I'm good. I'm not lonely. I have amazing people around me. Right. Um, I married my business. And you know what? You can't have everything in life. And the minute I'm ready to, like, sort of, like, slow it down a little bit, which at times now, do you know what I'm saying? I, I, 
I guess at my age and 30 years in business, it's not it's my way or the highway. It's just that, you know what, I get to say no. It's sometimes the best deals, some of them, mm. are the ones you walk away from. I'm not for everybody anymore. I, I, you know, when somebody comes over you and says... You never were. No, but I if somebody think. had come over to me and said, you know what, and, you know, just a little bit, like, you know, there's some top people in the industry, and you know what, you hear their names, and, you know, because they're... Their, their own identities. They built their own identities. Like, in other words, I don't like when people says, oh, people come up to me and say, you know, like Preston Bailey, for example, you know, who has a name, or Ed Libby has a name, or Steve from SBK has a name. Do you know what I'm saying? I just hear, you know, you hear, you can't be stupid. Yeah, I don't know all the names. So, in other words, I don't know all the names, but I know some of the old time people that I grew up with, you know right. I'm saying the same, that they probably, I'm sure, have heard of me. But they all have their, like, when somebody comes to me today and says, you know, I want this, I'm like, well, that's Preston Bailey. Like, he did the flowers around the picture frame. So, in other words, like, I don't want to take somebody else's thing and, copy it. It's not about money anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, in yeah. other words, like, unless it's going to be about $50 million where I can give 25 to charity, because we're very th philanthropic, in other words, like, it's not going to change my lifestyle. So why am I taking so Hire that person then. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so exactly. it's me telling your story. It's not my way the highway, but it's their taste, my style. And that's how I put my parties together. So give me an example. When you say their taste, your style, um, so you, you want them I to tell their just, story. Yeah, but this is how I look at it. You know what? They, I try to go to their homes and see what they're about. I say cut, you know, cut out things in magazines, and not parties necessarily, but cut it in design, magazines, architectural digest, whatever it is. Oh, which that people you never like. use Pinterest. And well, I don't even know what crazy. this is. Yeah, I, I don't know, know what I it get, is. You know, they I have know. no identity. They don't know what they're fucking looking at. And, you yeah. know, and I really mean that. No, I That's know. That's not... Pull out things that you like, but you know what? But they get so confused, and it's all perception. Like, you know, sometimes right. pictures look amazing, but they look, they, you know, that doesn't read that way at the party itself. And I want to read them, or I go to their homes or apartments, and I go to see what they're about. But I always say, you know what? I can't design, you know, Ralph Lauren if somebody's Versace, and I can't design Celine if somebody's like really, you know, maybe Celine and Prada are a little similar. But, you know, I always say, let's make it like when people walk into a room and go like this, oh my God, you know, that's um, Jordan and, and, and I don't know, Rachel's party. I don't see coming up with these Jewish names. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't be any more Jewish. Anyway, so like, um, I go like this, let's like, you know, like that's what they're about. Like people should walk in. It's like a dress should never wear the person, but you should wear the dress for a woman. Right. Like you can't make somebody wear something if they're not comfortable because otherwise yeah. they're going to feel very insecure walking in. It's the same with a room, but I always say, let's go, let's find the closet. And the closet is that little sexy room. You know what I'm saying? That they love to have that little sexy room when they have a few cocktails or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Not yeah. hoary. And I always say, never be trashy, always classy. Right. But you know what? That's what the party and That's the excitement. Every designer and every planner has said, they talk about the wow factor. If you want to walk into the room and be hit by this gorgeousness. And you're the first, you're the first person that just said, no, I want you to walk into the room into a mood. It's and a then, vibe. And then get little little by little, find out the... No, the, there, there is the wow factor. They're right. But it's not the wow factor in what they're looking at. What I look at in the wow factor is that they walk in and it's almost like my room is the Grand Canyon. When you experience the Grand Canyon for the first time. Right. And I never knew how to work it. Word, word it, I'm sorry. And this client of mine, uh, Michael Cantillo, actually said it. He goes, when I look at my kid's room, I want to feel the Grand Canyon. But he always felt the Grand Canyon when he looked at any of my rooms, and that's why I understood. When you see the Grand, Grand Canyon, are you feeling the colors through the rock? 
yeah. or the depth of the ground where yeah, there's yeah, no yeah, water. Yeah, there's so, much, so it's the right. same thing, but it's not the wow factor. It's part of the party. Your main room is part of the party, but it's never so much the reveal. That's where we spend most of the time in that one room. Right. But how do we keep their interest? I could book, let's say, World Yacht and go around the city and I'm on a boat. After an hour, it's not a party. I know, yeah. Or you go to like a rooftop and after you stare at the top of the city, like right. a, a Manhattan, you know, years ago, like whether it was Windows on the World, the years room. ago, yeah. or the Rainbow Room, after you look at the view, it's gone. You got to make the party happen. Or so. if it's a cloudy day. I've had people that spend no, a million dollars on a on on a nah, yeah, but you know what? Win, that's that's windows and it's a cloudy day. But they like, that. But I look at it, it's like you know what? That's the part where my invasions come in. Where all of a sudden it's not about dances at a party that take over. Now all of a sudden the invasions come into music and they're you know parading and it becomes about the people. Whether it's a food item, whether it's you know something that does with the birthday boy and you know it's like you know some sort of designer Dolce Gabbana shirt that has his photo when he was like ten and he looked the nerdiest he ever looked. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's how you create these character people, how we laugh at ourselves. I remember doing one of our parades and I wanted that Dolce vibe when he, you know, when Dolce and Gabbani had done this series on t-shirts with uh, Naomi Campbell and whatnot. And then all of a sudden I put this girl on her, you know, it was her 40th birthday and I don't want to oh, get so parade it. within the party? Yeah, okay. like parade into the party and all of a sudden a horn goes off and they're coming into, you know, um, my super sweet 16 when they're 40 and all of a sudden they're sweet 16 and it's before the nose job. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, and they're like, oh, you can't show that picture. I'm like, why? We have to laugh at ourselves. You know, we weren't born this way. So it's almost yeah, like yeah. okay to laugh. And that's what gives people like when they're spending that kind of money, I always go, it's almost okay that we laugh at ourselves because then people don't get mad that we spent the money. You know what I'm saying? It's the yin and yang of life. You yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, it's yeah, the up yeah. and down, laugh and cry, push and pull. You can't have one without the other. So let's show and laugh at ourselves. The what that that one party that I keep referring to, and, and if we've done a hundred parties together, that what I remember from each one is that you would have me go to the house, so that they would get to know me. It's very important. I hate when people and I love that. You know what? You have to feel. And everybody in the family has to feel connected that they don't meet for one or two times, but the journey is taking all of us together. It's a family. I'm all about family. So in other words, that's why when you break the family up, it doesn't work. So in other words, I want everybody so that they feel comfortable. We all are in it together. And you right. can't get that sometimes through explanation. You have to sit there. Most people don't even listen to the client. They're only selling or spewing their shit. Right. And to me, it's important saying, that you keep coming. Where am I going to get the kickback Correct. Or they keep coming in. Like there was a way, me bringing you into the planning stages along with... You know, it's not about somebody writing a beautiful letter and go, oh, we're going to have 17 you know, hors d'oeuvres and they word it this way. Meanwhile, you get there, it looks like a piece of shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, honestly, so I know it's a terrible thing to say, but how many people ever leave a party saying, what great food? <laughs> you know, if you're going to do that, take never it. ends. I always said nobody leaves one of my parties and goes to a diner. You know, we, yeah, we exactly. were the ones right, before pretty. anybody. This is another thing that sounds terrible. White Castle hamburgers and silver coffee trucks 30 years ago at the end of I the was, parties. You beat and me then to all it. of a sudden, it's like, you know, we, after the White Castles, we were doing Shake Shack, and everybody says, oh, they invent, they didn't. 
we were doing the food trucks outside the, the puck building. Donuts, and you would give... Do you remember the puck building? But I, we were doing these, do. all these food trucks outside. And I'm talking about 25 years ago. Nobody... They thought I was nuts. You know what? There were some great people before me. There's going to be great people after me. I right. said a long time ago, you know what? There's a few of us that maybe lead the parade. Okay, again, like, you know what? Because I was always so worried. And again, that bullying. Out of everything bad comes something good. So my life experience was always about trying to figure out how to get through the maze. And it's the same thing in business. By me going and following people through the maze, sometimes you got to take the wrong road. Yeah, sure. But it's my road when I follow myself. And it's my mistakes that I have to own. So you know what? I don't take chances on a wedding or somebody's you know, coming-of-age party because that's not the place to do it. But if I have 600 women in a room and I'm doing a fashion show for $29.95 a person, you know, <laughs> take the gamble, take the risk there. Okay. Because you know what? You're going to have 600 women in a room who are not shy about an opinion. Right. And you'll know what works and what doesn't work. But never experiment on a party. And a lot of people try to make me experiment on their parties. Yeah. I'm in the middle of a podcast. I'm going to call you back, okay? Okay, goodbye. Bye. So the All right, so take the puck building, take Silver Cup. But, I mean, you take a blank room. Those are my best. Do you see it? Beforehand, you know, it, I mean, yeah, it's uh, all you, in my head. Do I see it? Yeah, that's you know, everybody says, Where do you get it from? It's like, yeah. you know, it's definitely yeah, my yeah, gift yeah, from yeah. God, right. and, I, and I don't say that lightly. You know, I lost a lot of people to death, and I believe in karma and angels and all that kind of stuff. So, right. whether it's my sister, my friend Bobby Bender, my mother, my father, my uncle Eve, Angie, this you know, woman I used to go out with when I was younger, so I lost so many people. You always had a thing that you must have picked up in Europe, I don't know where you picked it up, of having like transvestites. I worked, when I graduated college, I worked for an, um, a kosher caterer, mm -hmm. and it was out on Long Island, and they spent a lot of time in Fire Island, so because they spent a lot of time, uh, then I went out to Fire Island, okay. and they had a lot of drag queens. Not that always, it was like, that was the eerie, like timing is everything, so I yeah. mean, people like love drag queens, and and those shows, and they brought a lot of glamour, and they were also impersonators, those people. Do you know what sure, I'm saying? Sure, that was when the, it was a Broadway show, La Caja Faux. Uh, La Caja Faux. So, yeah, yeah, but that was an era. That was when it was going. Um, well, so that's nothing that you would say is a thing of yours. I mean, did, was it a thing? Yeah. I mean, there was a period. Everything yeah. becomes a thing of mine that I bring in to make it a thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's my thing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So that was... Like, I love doing my drag queens at the party. We did Studio 54 parties 25 years ago. I mean, I used to hang out in Studio 54. I was a little kid. I mean, there in Xenon, you know what I mean? So my, my father's restaurant, my, my father's, like, uh, luncheonettes were there. So I used to watch the limousines down at Xenon, like, lined up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning when we were first getting in, when I would go and help my father out in the luncheonettes. Oh, he was and opening I, at 4 o'clock in the morning. They he were, was going in. That's when they did. That people were still partying. Yeah, so, like, all of a sudden, they were partying still, and I was, like, looking, and, you know, I was, like, that little kid, you ever see like Bette Midler peeking into the window as her husband, like the <laughs> yeah. kids getting married? I was peeking into limousines and hanging out with Elaine Kaufman. I mean, first I was looking. No, really? Elaine became a very dear friend of mine. I mean, I used to hang out at Elaine's and... Tell the younger people I wanted, who Elaine Kaufman was. Elaine to people Kaufman age, was the Swifty Lazar of New York. She oh. was, that was the... That, if anybody saw the movie Manhattan, there was a scene in Elaine's. Yeah, but Elaine's was the celebrity hangout. 
But it was more than that. It was it was an intellectual. It's funny that you put yourself down for uh, for not being like book smart. It wasn't but I mean, about it was that. a very they, intellectual, a, like writers. Editorials, writers were going in yeah, there because that was right. the only place that she would feed them. Right. You know what I'm saying? She was feeding these people. Like, in other words, so she she was downtown, and she opened up this place on the Upper East Side. My, like on the my 80s, right? 88th and 89th on, right. on 2nd Avenue. Right. And my brother had first, he was like, my brother was older, and, you know, I he, I would stay at his apartment across the street, mm-hmm. and they used to have all the limousines. I used to peek in. Like, glamour excited me because older people accepted me where younger people were beating me. Do you understand the difference? <laughs> yeah, 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 I do. So it was easier sure. to be around... Older people, and who isn't excited by the glamour and the sure. celebrities in this? Yeah. So I used to peek my head into these limousines, and then I'd try to go in and actually go into the restaurant. And he used to bring me in and sit me all the way in the corner, and I'd eat by myself. It gave me, um, I guess, a little bit of security. I wanted, to, I wanted to deal. I wanted to own and just put myself in a position to make myself uncomfortable, to make myself feel comfortable. Interesting. So it's also good that they put you in the back because they, they were never you putting anybody. There were VIP tables. I was not a VIP. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. after years, all of a sudden, they started to stick me in a place, and then Elaine would go, you know, who are you? What about that? And we would talk. And so this is a real person. Oh Elaine no, Calvin. real. No, Elaine she Calvin. was real. She was so grounded. And if she liked you, she loved you and took you in. If she didn't, forget it. You were shit. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with how much money you had. She wasn't about yeah, that. It was about celebrity. being real. Yeah. And all this realness taught me how to be in life. In other words, it's about being real. Whether you lose your money, you realize that, you know what, you know, it's very easy to make money. It's harder to keep. It's just you have to learn the lessons of life. Some people never learn. So I used to go into Elaine's, and then all of a sudden, I remember somebody, like the waiters would say, oh, you know, somebody, so, so-and-so wanted to know who you were. And she introduced me to everybody from Oh, you by Sh- yourself? You'd go in by yourself? No, and then I started Maybe bringing friends friend. in, then yeah. we were talking, because then I started like, oh my God, like, you know, the waiters, everybody started to like really say, okay, I'm a regular. Oh, you're regular, okay. And then they found out whose parties I were doing, and then I remember Elaine overheard me one day saying, when somebody said, who are you? And I said, oh, nobody or whatever. And when they were done talking to me, she called me over to her table, and I would go, and she says, don't ever say that. She goes, you're Larry. You're Larry Scott, and don't ever say you're nobody. And I knew, wow. and I'm saying that this woman had my back. She saw where I came from. And she's like knighted you. She's made, she's made drive you. Her, no, but I used to drive her home. And she, she, we had a lot of respect for each other. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And she loved my work ethic. I used it as my office prior to me having my own apartment in the no city. No kidding. Yeah, she let me come in there. I mean, she was great. She was great. And then all of a sudden. This is great. I never knew this. No, Elaine Kaufman was one of my friends. I was at her funeral. When she did her book signing, you know, there were 50 posters that she had done, and I got one of them, and she signed it. And um, oh, So you, so from, the, from 21 I just bought a piece of artwork last week, this past weekend, online. They had the art shows in the city this weekend. Right. And I couldn't make it. I was working, and my friends all saw this, like it was um, aluminum, all uh, iconic matches, like matchbooks. Right. And my friends were all texting, oh, my God, this is so you. And I looked at it. It was an Elaine's matchbook. So I actually bought it. I negotiated and bought it. Oh, wow. This weekend. So I got the house in the Hamptons. But, um, no, Elaine, I loved. And then my, then my life became empty a little bit. I didn't go anywhere because I felt at home. I felt comfortable. I have to be within a comfortable situation. Oh, so situation. you were in, so Elaine's became your second home. 
Yeah, but now I found my new home after 10 years because Elaine is gone like 10 years. Yeah. And my new home is Fresco because the Scotto family took me in. So I'm very friendly with Rosanna and Elaine and John and, you know, um, Anthony and the parents. And, you know, when I go in, like, you know, Marion, you know, and Rosanna's mother will go like this. Oh, my son is here and stuff like that. So. Yeah, like you were doing all the cool things when, like, and you just know on the cusp of when they were cool. Like, like you would be the kind of person that would have bought a duplex in Brooklyn Heights in 1990. Correct. I had a nightclub in Chelsea. <laughs> Everybody was in Soho. They were going to this club, Chaos and whatnot. So my best friend and myself opened a nightclub in Chelsea. Everybody said Chelsea, and nobody was in Chelsea. Nobody. Oh, really? Oh, my God. It was like, wow. So this is... It was, I moved into West Village, and I was, af- I was afraid. You know what I'm saying? My friend Julia, God bless her, who passed away. And yeah, and people think the West Village. I mean, Oh, no, but was, no, you can't go. It was horrible. I know. Yeah, I mean, junkies. Like, you know, uh, junkies junk, yeah, and yeah. the, the meatpacking. Like, when they see sex in the city, we're like, you know. Oh, I know. I mean, I had it, my friend Joanne. We used to live there. She was throwing glasses out at people at 3 o'clock in the morning because they were so loud. I said, Joanne, we're going to be fucking raped and murdered here. <laughs> like, relax, man. Relax. Take a chill pill. But you know what I'm saying? So I said, like, we were there. I was always like, even moving my office out to Hicksville, all of a sudden all the industries started to move to Hicksville here. And then there were the other people that were like, just like, I got to be on Madison Avenue. Why am I going to give my money away? I come, yeah, I'm, not that exactly. ca- I'm not that rich. Anyway, so like, I guess I always had that pulse on where to go. Do you know what I'm saying? And the right. same way that 10 years ago, it's like, you know, I started to build my business in the Hamptons because the middle year was dying out. Most people don't put the time in. Meaning? To go discover what's Andy new. Andy Warhol, an overnight success is not 15 minutes, it's 15 years. Everybody wants to jump on the wagon when you're up here, yeah. but they don't want to put the time in. They don't want to put the money in, the time. It's almost like, you know what, it's a slow process. I always say if I'm starting a charity, you know what, we start out slow. It's like taking fish home from the fish store. You float the bag on top of the tank. You don't bust the bag open. and They're going to die from the temperature of the water and the environment. It takes a while. <laughs> a nobody metaphor. sees, but it's really nobody sees how you get there. Or it makes it, we make it look very easy. Do they know that I have a gas, like a stomach doctor? I have a, this doctor or that doctor because all of my nerves and this and, you know, a urologist and this, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's 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 not easy getting here. It's just it's a right. tough road. And as you get older and you're still on your game, mm-hmm. there's more people throwing stones at you. They want, but they don't want to put the time in. Yep. So they start to try to take your band, or they start to take your tent guy, or they take your this one, or they try to get into the interior, or they look to where you get your desserts. So they start to see this when you're going to bakers, and you know what I'm saying. So you got to rip yeah. the stickers off because you know what? Maybe we invented that with that baker, and they're supposed to only do only our stuff, and then they start selling everybody else because they want the money. Because all of a sudden the greed comes in. It's you know greed and ego takes over. I could keep going on and on and on and on. Be careful of the sharks that are swimming around you because they're constantly swimming. It's okay to be paranoid. Because they are out to get they're you. They're out to get you. <laughs> they love, it's like the media, they love to sort, sort of help you get to a certain level, but once you're there, boom, they're going to pull you down. So be careful of how much you use that press for because you know what? When they want to take you it's down, gonna go it's going to, no, yeah. it's, no, oh, it's going to, oh, yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah, that yeah. fall is real hard. Yeah. So you have to have leather skin. And they come after you on every level. And Judge Judy, a friend of mine, always said, when they come after you suing you, and you could do everything right, there are loopholes in every law, she said, just settle. Really? Just settle. You never win. 
Because at the end of the day, you're paying attorneys. Everybody else wins on you. Right. So you can never let your ego get in the way. It's almost like diffuse the situation. That's mm-hmm. how I look at it. Just diffuse it. Okay. My best revenge is success, never maliciousness. Maliciousness will take you down. Yes. So anybody who's malicious, I run away from. Not that I'm fearful. I just don't want to get caught up in your quicksand. I'm not jumping in. Right. No, you so let me ask you a question. How are we doing with this interview so far? Fucking great. <laughs> okay. So we're both Long Island kids from lower middle class backgrounds, and I didn't get bullied, but I was so shy that... It's the same if they, thing. If they had a high school reunion, you know, no one would know that I wasn't there. That's not true. Not true. You think mm. that because you're yeah. shy, but shy is you maybe bullying yourself. So in other yeah. words, it may not be somebody bullying you, but being shy is your own bullying. You're bullying yourself thinking you're shy. Why, why, why can't I be a little bit more open? So right. your, your inner, like you, there's a Sybil per- personality there that's holding you back. So me, I, you know what? Like if I tell my client I fucked up on something, eventually they'll come apart, they're screaming or whatever, but they have to know that, you know what, you move on. They'd rather you be honest than you lie. Lying is not a good thing. Lying for is me, a bad it's like thing. if somebody's lying to me, tell me, you know what? Tell, like if I fuck up and I make a mistake or whatever, I own it. I constantly own it. Yeah. Um, but for me to lie, in other words, I had to look upstairs. My angel's up there. They constantly sit there. They're, they're going to hit me in the head. They're going to make me fall. The, the karma comes in like, oh my God. My religion <laughs> is my conscience. You know what I'm saying? I think you have to believe in something higher than us as human beings. And that's what keeps us all in check. And that's what's supposed to be taught to you as a young person. Yeah, tell me when you have to go. Now. Okay. I hope you got enough stuff. I have so much stuff. Wait. I have an hour and one minute <laughs> that we can cut down. To. It'll, it'll, you'll see, the, it'll be 40 how minutes. How long the podcast is 40 minutes? It's anything you want. And where does it go on? It goes on to iTunes. I will send you the link and so then you, you can make money on this. Eventually. And just on a side note, I will say this. Anybody who really knows about the, myself and my company and what I made it, you know what I'm saying? We, we always give back crazy, and I'm always about long-term relationships with my charities and whatnot. And Make-A-Wish, I was there for 26 years. And I'm very proud that, you know what, for the first time in 32 years of Make-A-Wish history that, you know, I single-handedly, meaning Lawrence got events, Larry, sold out Make-A-Wish. 850 people. Wow, I didn't know you were so involved with Make-A-Wish. Oh, yeah, we're done. We retired from it, but I'm just saying. But you know what? But it was was just unbelievable when, like, you know, there were people that can't, even, like, corporate sponsors couldn't sell them out. It was Bear Stearns and this. And And you had sold it out. We had sold it out. And, you know, my whole company I brought on stage because, again, without your family, nothing happens. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? So I'm just letting you know. So in other words, just remember, the family is the key thing. And this family here at Lawrence Scott Events is very, very philanthropic. We don't give to everything. We, yeah. can't, we okay. can't feed the world, but we feed as much as we can. And there's always someone returns and, and some better, better looking. So that's why we try to give back the best we can. I'm so glad that you're Doug, a part of this. Doug, we, had a, we have a long history together. Great history. And hopefully that you're new. You know, I always find that, you know, strength in age today. Yeah. Not in numbers. I always keep this in the back of my head. History repeats itself. So you know what? 
eventually it's going to go back to basics again. It's not going to be maybe about like, you know, social media will always be in our lives, but you know what? Now business, I yell at my guys all the time, stop texting, pick up the phone. Oh, we're I know. not embalming bodies. But you and, and I started before jeans. they had cell phones, let alone I know, but you know what? Texting. People still want to talk to each other. Like, you know what? I'm not ordering anything online, really. I'd like to touch the item. Right. But you know, but you know, sometimes. I was shocked to see you on Instagram. Until I got away from a flip phone. I'm like stupid, like, <laughs> like beyond stupid when it comes to like social media and all this stuff I, I, I I'll go to Steve Steve <laughs> Steve's here no, I don't think Ralph knows Steve where are you yeah so Steve and Ralph like I'm talking you know, to the mic yeah come over here so these are part of my family these are guys who are amazing and have my back and if I need something with social media it's always Steve Ralph do you know much about social media he knows Candy Crush <laughs> Bobby would be here but it's his 50th birthday so he took the year off he's like traveling all over <laughs> he took the this, year off I don't know like every other week he's going to Puerto Rico this week he's driving around he's got to enjoy 50 don't I enjoyed 50 forget when that was. <laughs> Thank too. you very much. Got to go to a coin to make Loving some you. money. Yes, right. go make some money. All right, thanks okay. a lot. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, Doug. Now you know why we didn't need a long extended introduction. That's Larry. Truly a, truly a mensch. A really wonderful guy. Uh, as always, you can find me at Doug Winters, Inc. on Instagram, and you can find Larry at Lawrence Scott Events. And I will see you next week. 